Well, good morning. Thanks to John for putting that together, our new bumper for our new sermon series. Glad you are here with us today, especially if it's your first time here. Maybe your first time in a long time. You're our honored guest. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Hey, right now we're going to take up our offering as we continue in worship. Uh, this is a chance for us to give back to God, also a way for us to partner uh, with what God is doing in all uh, this community and in through this church. And so uh, as we take up the offering, I just want to put a little plug in your ear uh, real fast. Uh, Throughout the Bible, we read about something called a double portion. It's uh, kind of twice the amount that someone should normally receive, or twice the blessing that someone wants to give. And uh, that's what we're really asking for each of you, or from each of you, this December. Uh, December is a critical month for us here at the church in a lot of different ways, in terms of activities and initiatives, um, as terms of guests and first-time visitors. It's really an important month for us, though, in terms of finances. In December, we really receive twice what we receive during every other month, a double portion. And so we're asking that you consider or pray about, think about giving us double in December what you might give us at any other point during the year. And here's why. Because in December, as we end, it helps us to look back and finish the year off strong, uh, reaching and, and hitting some of those goals and markers, uh, obligations that we set for 2017. But it really helps us to start the new year off right. And so we determine what we're going to do in 2018 based upon what we receive in December. And so goals, dreams, new ministry initiatives, staffing opportunities, uh, building upgrades, all of it's dependent on what we raise this month. And so if you would, consider giving us a double portion here in December. Uh, let me pray for us, pray for the offering, and uh, we'll continue with the word. God, thank you for being so generous and so good and so kind to each and every one of us. We are blessed far more than we deserve and we ask now, God, that you would help us to be like you in that we share willingly and sacrificially with others, that we help give away and gift away the different blessings that we've received so others might hear about you, they might learn about their place in this world, their place in your story, they might find community and support here in this church, God, they might find help for all the different problems they're going through in this life. Help us now to use our resources to help others meet you this Christmas. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, speaking of giving, each Sunday this month, as is our tradition, uh, I want to recognize a few people in the church that have really served us and who have gone above and beyond over the last calendar year or so. And so I'm excited to introduce you to different people throughout the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I wanted to start with Chris and Shannon Sage. Come on up, you guys, up on the stage for us. Uh, these guys serve us in so many different ways. Choir help, youth help, but most of you probably know them uh, because of the coffee bar. These two, if you ever had a cup of coffee, a bagel sandwich, uh, a frappuccino, a smoothie of any kind, most likely these two were behind it. And so we just want to thank them for all their hard work in that space. They really helped us turn that space around. And uh, don't tell them I said this, but they helped us turn a profit this last year. So uh, thank you. Normally coffee bars, we just pay out. So this is a small thank you gift from us to you. You guys have blessed us so much. Thank you for all your hard work. We really appreciate it. Let's thank them again for all their work.
They have a lot of folks, Chris was telling me, that help them week in, week out, a bunch of different uh, volunteers, team workers. So anytime you go over there the next couple of weeks to the coffee bar, just say thanks and uh, show your appreciation to that crew. I also want to say thanks and so show some appreciation to those who transformed this building into a, a special winter wonderland over the last couple of weeks. Katie Brady and Boyd Pickens had a whole crew. Thank you guys for making this place look so festive. We hope that the decorations and the lights and the ornaments will put you into the holiday spirit. And if not, uh, tonight's Christmas party will definitely put you into the holiday spirit. Nothing says Christmas like Ryan and Emily trying to lead 300 people in a white elephant gift exchange. If you have not seen that, you have not seen Christmas to its fullest. So make sure you're here uh, tonight. Another thing that says Christmas is our new Christmas sermon series. I'm excited to kick it off for you and with you this morning. I was thinking about playlists the last couple of weeks, and we all have them, do we not? From our phones to our tablets to our iTunes library or Spotify accounts, we all like to group and organize our music into certain lists, into certain categories. If you like to go to the gym, you probably have a playlist called Songs That Ooze Confidence and Burn Calories. If you're having a romantic moment with that special someone, you need a playlist called Your Voice Is My Favorite Sound, But These Songs Are a Close Second. If you're about to hit the slopes and go hard after some double black diamonds, you need a, a, a playlist called My Life is Going Downhill Fast. I even have a friend who has a playlist called I'm Embarrassed I Listen to These Songs. But there are songs and playlists for every moment, every mood, every situation, every season. And that's especially true when it comes to Christmas, is it not? Everybody and their mom, as John depicted in our little bumper video, they've recorded a Christmas album from Keith Sweat to Kermit the Frog. No matter what type of music you like, I guarantee there's a Christmas playlist just for you. Here are some of the more interesting ones I came across this past week. There's a death metal Christmas. Interesting. There's a rap Christmas called Christmas on Death Row. There's Gregorian chant Christmas. I didn't know that could sound Christmassy. And then there's Christmas dubstep. And if you don't believe me, uh, listen to this. What's happening? Christmas dubstep. Wait for it now. The Santa screen's coming. If that's your thing, I guess that's your thing, right? Uh, but regardless of your style, everybody loves them some good Christmas music. But I have to ask, why? I mean, what's the big deal? What, what's up with that? Why, why are the songs of this season so special? Well, for some, it's the memories, right, to go along with the music. Singing to Nat King Cole while dancing around the living room and decorating your tree with your family. I mean, it's, just a, it's an annual event, something you look forward to and look back on with fond memories. For others, it's the message. There's such great truth being proclaimed in and through songs like Joy to the World or I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. I mean, just great truth, great messages. But I would argue... And the reason for this sermon series is that music is such a huge part of Christmas for us because music was such a huge part of the first Christmas, the original Christmas. In fact, the birth of Christ is more or less conveyed in and communicated through music, through song. 
Many are surprised to learn that there are actually four Christmas songs in the Bible, in the gospel messages that talk about the birth of Jesus, from Mary to the angels, from Jesus' cousin to some seemingly random guy at the temple. Everyone at that first Christmas was singing something. And it just seems like we've continued that tradition all the way to today. And so over the next couple of weeks, Pastor Nathan and I are going to share with you a sermon series called The Original Christmas Playlist. And our hope is that by looking at these four songs, uh, songs are about joy and about peace and about wonder and about the significance of that very first Christmas that we will somehow bring into your life the joy and the peace and the wonder and the significance for this Christmas, that we will take what was a part of that first Christmas and that we will bring it into each of our lives, each of our homes, each of our hearts. So let's jump into the first song this morning. Uh, If you're anything like me, on Christmas morning, you secretly and maybe not so secretly hope that the largest present under the tree has your name on it. I don't know about you, but I kind of go around like scout trip kind of thing, like who's, oh, darn it, Bailey, oh, Cassie, Actually, I want my present to be so big, you can't even put it under the tree. You've got to hide it over in the corner, like in the basement, right? Nobody else likes that. Okay, yeah, right, you people. I'm watching you. But as many of us can attest to, sometimes the greatest gift that we receive, the greatest gift that we're given, is in fact the smallest gift. Is it not? There's that beautiful piece of jewelry, maybe even that, that engagement ring. Uh, There's that key to the new Lexus sitting outside with the giant red bow on it. Because all of us know what that feels like. Like I watched that commercial and I'm thinking, really, who? A a few people raised their hand. Okay, you can give that Lexus to me, get a new one. There's that homemade gift that your little ones made for you. Or maybe the, the gift they purchased at some little craft fair using their own allowance, money. These gifts are somewhat small, but they mean so much. Their value and and their importance, it isn't determined by, it's not even limited by their small size. In fact, it's just the opposite, isn't it? That same truth applies to baby Jesus. See, on the very first Christmas, God gave us a gift. But it was a very tiny gift. I mean, this gift probably weighed no more than seven or eight pounds, this gift was one you could, you could hold in the palm of your hands, maybe even stuff inside your coat. It was a very small gift, but do not be fooled by the size of this gift. It is more valuable and more precious and more important than any other gift you have ever received. I think it's safe to say that most people assume baby Jesus is kind of a big deal, but I think it's also safe to assume that most people don't know why. I mean, the biggest holiday has his name in it, so I get that. But outside of the time off and the baking and the, and the family, outside of the holiday, we're not exactly sure what the big deal is. Why baby Jesus is such a big deal. And that's where our first song comes into play. It's a song by a guy named Zachariah. And as he sings this song to us on the original Christmas playlist, he's going to tell us how this tiny child, this tiny gift, is a bigger deal than we could ever imagine or fully fathom. We read about Zechariah and his wife in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah is a very well-respected priest. He's married to a woman named Elizabeth. The Bible tells us that Zechariah and his life, they lived very honorable lives 
It says they had a clear conscience before God. And although they had a clear conscience, the Bible also tells us they didn't have any children. And in that day and age, being barren, it was a bad thing. It was a very burdensome thing. And to top it all off, when we first meet this couple, the Bible literally says they are quite old, which in biblical terminology means they're ancient. It's not a compliment when the Bible calls you quite old. And so their age doesn't seem to help when it comes to the problem of not having any children. So one day, Zechariah is kind of working out his priestly duties at the temple, and an angel comes to him and announces to him that he and his wife are actually going to give birth to a son. As you can imagine, this this 100-year-old man thinks to himself, yeah, right, a guy with dentures, arthritis, and wrinkles, a guy with hearing aids and fake knees and a bionic hip, a guy who has his own parking spot over at the Senior Citizen Center, he's going to have a baby? No chance. And the problem is he doesn't just think this, he actually says it. Luke 1.18. Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man. And hopefully she's not listening, but my wife is an old woman. This is one of those classic, oh no, did I just say that out loud moments. The Bible's full of them, but here's one of the most important. The angel is a little taken aback by his comments, maybe even angered or frustrated by what Zechariah has just said. And so he punishes Zechariah by forcing him to remain silent until the baby is born. For the next nine months, the angel says, Zechariah will not be able to say a word. So think about that with me now. On that day, Elizabeth received the two greatest gifts she ever could have received, a new baby and a muted husband. She's like, this is the greatest Christmas ever. All right, fast forward nine months to the birth of the son. Eight days after this child is born, the family goes to the temple so they can circumcise him. And in that moment, there seems to be some disagreement as to what the the child's name should be. Look at Luke 1 with me. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, But Elizabeth said, no, 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 his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the muted father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet or iPad. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. At once, Zechariah's mouth was open and his tongue freed. And he began speaking and praising and blessing and thanking God. The text tells us that after Zechariah was faithful to the command of the angel to name the child John, that his tongue was loose and that his mouth was freed. He was able to speak again. But he didn't just speak. The first thing that came out of Zechariah's mouth after nine months of silence, it's a song. It's called Zechariah's song. And it's the first song on our Christmas playlist. The song that he sang in that moment, it wasn't just about his own child, It was also about the child that Mary was going to have in just a few short months. The song is called the Benedictus Hymn. Benedictus is a Latin word for blessing or praise. It's the very first word in the song. And although I asked Kim and Steve to sing it for us this morning in Latin, neither of them got back to me. 
guess the email didn't work. So let me just read the song to you. Luke 1, 67. Now Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited us and brought redemption to his people. And he's raised up a horn of salvation, a mighty, valiant Savior for us in the house of David, his servant. Just as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophets from the most ancient times, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy as he promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the promised blessing, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness, being set apart, and righteousness, being upright before him all of our days. Now, I don't know what tune or melody that song had. Maybe it was a dubstep. Santa! I don't know what it sounded like, but it's a beautiful song. And in this song, Zechariah proves to us a couple things. He proves to us he's not just a great priest. He proves he's actually a great theologian. Because in this song, a very short song, Zechariah is actually able to walk us through the entire Old Testament narrative. And in so doing, I think he's trying to show us something. He's trying to show us that everything God's people have been hoping for, everything they've been waiting for, everything they've been longing for, all of it has come true. All of it has come to fruition through the birth of Jesus. Now, we don't have time to go through all of the text in depth, but let me walk you through and highlight just a couple things. Verse 68, God has visited us and brought about our redemption, Zechariah says. What he's doing here is he's taking us back to the garden where God first visited us, where God literally walked with us. And although everything went haywire in that space, Zechariah says that somehow in Jesus, God is back again. He's with us again. And the possibility of an intimate relationship where we get to walk with him every day, that's back again as well. Verse 69, God has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of David. Here Zechariah says that in Jesus, God has given us a David-like king, this savior, this mighty warrior who will go out before us and fight for us, who will protect us, who will deliver us, who will ensure that we have the full life. Verse 70 and 71, just as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophets from the most ancient of times, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. Here Zechariah wants us to to think back and to listen back to the message of all the prophets throughout the Old Testament. The prophets were these men and women who came to God's people when everything was falling apart and they said, remember who you are. Remember who God is and remember what he has in store for you in the future. And somehow in Jesus, all of those promises, all the things they were pointing to, it's all come true. It's all finally come about. Verses 72 and 73, to show mercy as he promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father. You can't do an Old Testament survey without talking about Abraham. That's exactly what Zechariah does here. He says the great promise that was made to that man 3,000 years before the promise, God says, Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to use you to bless everybody else in this whole world. That promise in Jesus, it's coming true. It's happening. It's right now. 
Verse 74, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve our God without fear. Here Zechariah is walking us through the great exodus or maybe the Babylonian captivity, maybe Assyrian captivity. God's people over different times throughout their story have been taken captive. They've been slaves. People have hated them and punished them for worshiping God. And Zechariah says somehow in Jesus, we're being freed from that oppression. Right now in Jesus, we are experiencing our own exodus. Now my words, they just don't do this song justice. What Zechariah is trying to do here, though, is exactly what we tried to do a few years ago through our sermon series called The Story. Hopefully you remember that series, but we walked through the entire biblical narrative from the first page to the very last page, and we tried to show that every story in that Bible, every character in the Bible, every moment, every truth in the Bible, it all points towards Jesus, from Adam and Eve to Noah and the flood to the disciples and the fish, whatever it is, it always points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it seems like Zechariah was in on that series with us because he was listening, because he knows this is true. For him, everything God did in times past, everything he had hoped for, Everything he originally created in the garden, everything promised to Abraham, everything done through the Exodus, everything spoken to the prophets, everything accomplished through King David, all of it is somehow happening again. And it's somehow happening to its fullest extent in and through Jesus. Somehow, all of those moments, the most important moments in all of human history, somehow those moments are happening again in this moment It was all because of him that those things originally happened, and now it's all happening again through this child. It's as if when this child was birthed, Zechariah is saying, so is birthed your walk with God in the garden. So is birthed your deliverance from all of your enemies. So is birthed the promise that God has a plan for your future. So is birthed everything that God's people have ever experienced in times past. So now it's true for you. In Jesus. Let me say it a different way. I imagine that over the course of the year, some of us have been a little disappointed on Christmas morning. We had hoped for one thing, and then we got the tie or the, or the, or the pajamas, right, or, or something random, the, the gift of the towels, whatever it might be. And if you love those things, I'm sorry. Just tell me. I'll, I'll get them for you. But, but we wanted something so bad, and then we opened the gift. And it was like, this isn't what I wanted. Well, Zechariah says, no one, no one could say that at the very first Christmas, Zechariah even goes as far to say, no one can say that for forever when it comes to Christmas, because at Christmas, when you receive the gift of Jesus, you are given everything you could possibly need or ask for or desire. You wanted hope this Christmas? Well, you have it in Jesus. You wanted forgiveness this Christmas? You have it in Jesus. You wanted power this Christmas? You have it in Jesus. You wanted freedom? You wanted a brighter future? You want a second chance? You want redemption? Guess what? You have it in Jesus. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and to him and through him are all things. And Zechariah is trying to say, in this baby, it's everything, 
everything God ever said, everything God ever promised, anything God ever promised to or, or, or wanted for us or created us to experience, anything and everything is right here. It's somehow in this child. This tiny little gift, it's the culmination of all of God's covenants. It's the point of all of God's promises. It's the manifestation of all of God's messages. It's the means of escape from all of our enemies. It's salvation from all of our sin. It's the destruction of death. It's the dawn of a new day. It's all right there. That little baby, it's all in that little gift. Everything you need, everything you want, it's right there. You think baby Jesus is a big deal? You have no idea how big of a deal this little baby is. Everything the world has ever needed is right there in him. The most significant moments throughout all of history are happening again. The entirety of what God created you to have is right there. It's all in him. During Thanksgiving... Uh, our family did a 2,000-piece puzzle. It's actually that puzzle right there. It was really, really hard. I'm not a puzzle guy, but I just, like, I'm so excited about this puzzle. So we started doing it. And wouldn't you know, by the end of the puzzle, as we're putting the final touches on it, guess what? We're missing a piece. One little brown piece on that stupid station wagon. We were missing it. Now, I have actually heard that to some people, that's funny. And they actually do that on purpose to their family. How dare you? How dare you? We were missing something. Well, that's not the case when it comes to Jesus. Zechariah says, when you have Jesus, you've got it all. When you have that gift, you have every other gift you could possibly want or need. Nothing's missing. It's all there. That's why the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians is so upset about something that he calls Jesus plus theology. Jesus plus theology. In that day and even today, there are religions, there are, there are those who teach that it's Jesus plus something else. That's how you find life, right? It's Jesus plus someone else. That's the experience of life. Like Jesus is a good start, but he's not good enough. Mormons believe it. it's Jesus plus Joseph Smith, Jesus plus the Book of Mormon. That's how you find eternal life. Jehovah's Witness believe it's Jesus plus special enlightenment. Jesus plus guidance from their uh, God-ordained governing board. That's how you find freedom. Legalists believe that it's Jesus plus a very strict set of rules that you have to follow. That's how you please the Father. Most Americans think it's Jesus plus wealth. That's when I know God is happy with me. Jesus plus? Zechariah would say, are you kidding me? In Jesus, you have everything you need. It's Jesus plus nothing gives you everything. You don't need to add anything to that equation. Zechariah knows that Jesus is all you need. It's all you need. And this doesn't mean that when you receive Jesus, I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm saying that you're just going to have like this, this corny, smiley face emoji permanently planted on your face. That's not something the gift of Jesus brings. Zechariah, in about 20 or 30 years from this moment, will be burying his son. 
Zechariah will be burying John, the one he waited a hundred years for, the one the angel specifically came down and told him he was going to have. He would bury that son. He's brutally murdered and beheaded by the Roman officials. So Zechariah is not saying that it's Jesus is, is happiness and health and wealth. It's Jesus is so much bigger than death. Jesus is so much better than death. That Jesus is the perfect culmination of all that was and all that ever will be. And it will help you not only make it through everything in this life, he'll help you make it past everything in this life. It's all in Jesus. So it seems appropriate as we end the message this morning that we focus on and we end with the words that Zechariah ended with. As he ends the song, he begins by singing about Jesus, but then he starts to sing about John, his own little precious child, his own little special gift that God had given to him. And he doesn't just thank God for the baby. He talks about what God's going to do through this little baby. You see, John the Baptist is who this son is. He was called to prepare the way for Jesus. He was called to make a way for Jesus. He was called to go out in front of people and to help them respond and, and, and get ready to receive God in their own lives. And so the end of that song, it really applies to every single one of us. It wasn't just for John, it's for all of us. Knowing that Jesus is everything you could ever need or ask for or hope for, want or desire, knowing that, would you go ahead of people this week? Would you go in front of people this week and would you prepare their heart? Would you share the good news? Would you tell them about the gift? Would you be the light that John was, helping people to maybe accept that gift this Christmas for the very first time? I'm gonna invite the band to come on up as we continue in some worship this morning. Uh, we're gonna take communion together because we wanted you to tangibly see and feel that, that this is all you need. It's a small little gift, is it not? Just like that baby in the manger. This is just a little cup of juice and a little tiny fraction of bread. It's so tiny in its size, but oh, it means so much. Anybody eat protein bars or those, those power-packed meals, right, where you like get everything you need in something like this tiny little size? You haven't seen a meal as packed as this meal. Everything you need is in this meal because everything you need is in the one it represents and symbolizes. So, uh, Nat King Cole, love him. Pentatonics, super cool. But if you've got a song this Christmas to sing, let's go back to the original Christmas playlist. Let's sing the Benedictus. Let's share and speak the Benedictus over people because that's the first song on God's Christmas playlist. I want it to be the first song on ours as well. So I'm going to pray for us when I'm done with the prayer. The band's going to lead us in some time of worship. During that time, make your way to one of the stations, either down here or up in the balcony. We've got about 10 or 15 minutes, so there's no rush. Take your time. Either take the elements at the table or bring them back to your seat. We'll take them together at the end. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the words that came out of that silent man's mouth, Zechariah. And I would hope, God, that we would be just like him this holiday season, that no words would even come out of our mouth unless it's a word of praise and adoration for Jesus. If we're not going to sing his praises and sing about how amazing this little gift is, how amazing this child is, how amazing it is that you sent your only son to this earth, clothed him in humanity, if we're not going to talk about that, let us not talk about anything. We'll remain silent. Unless unless we're talking about Jesus. 
and unless we're preparing the way for others to see him, hear from him, receive him in their life. Help us to be like Zachariah where we talk so openly about all that Jesus is and help us to be like Zachariah's son, John, where we help others to see all that he is as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.